starting sequence in three, two, one. Coming to you from the spooky part at the back of your mouth, it's the fangs. This is Wisdom Teeth. Welcome, boys and ghouls, to the 21st episode of Wisdom Teeth. I can't do the cake, Crypt Keeper for long, but welcome to the 21st episode of Wisdom Teeth. It's the Woo! Halloween special. Woo, spooky noises. Woo! Spooky, scary skeletons and shivers down your spine. So for this Halloween special, uh, a, bit, a little bit later on, we're going to talk about the things in pop culture that scare us. Uh, individually yeah obviously there's loads of figures that in either horror or or just in general pop culture that might have scarred us for life especially in our childhoods now that i'm officially a north londoner now not a south londoner uh, (laughs) yeah wait is this your is this the first is this your first podcast since the move it is yeah, it is. This is the first podcast this, since I moved to... That's the real horror. It's not man, <laughs> it's North London. <laughs> I'm sorry, yeah. I'm just very biased against it for mm. some reason, listeners at home. But since I moved, uh, there's a uh, there's a local Odeon uh, right down the road from me. It's an Odeon ah. Lux, of all things, with the reclining chairs and all the fancy schmancy biz. Bourgeois. And they were open. And they were... Fucking Odeon. I know, right? And they were open, and but they were doing heavily distanced seating and uh, I, I got finally got the chance to see Saint Maud the much anticipated horror film starring Morford Clark and Jennifer Ely uh, the directorial debut of Rose Glass how is, distanced are we talking here we're talking like so about three seats apart ish and the seats are massive reclining armchairs so there's quite a bit of distance did you Was have to wear a face though? mask yeah you, you have to wear a face mask the whole time Oh, oh wow. God. I hate going to the I, I, I honestly didn't mind that, and that was fine. So, like, um, both my local indie and the showcase in Derby, which are, like, five minutes within each other because Derby has no culture. But both of them, you are supposed to keep your mask on, but when you get in, it's so empty because no one goes to the cinema. Like, I practically had the cinema to myself for the first ten minutes nice. last time, and then four hmm. people walked in and I didn't have it to myself, but I nearly had it to myself, so... <laughs> That it's that they're basically not enforcing the mask when you're in the screening mm. because no one's there. But then when you yeah. get out of the screening, you have to wear it. Yeah, and uh, Sophie and I saw Saint Maud individually, and you, boy, do we have a lot to say about it because it oh, is man. a intense new horror movie. Um, it mm. was obviously the release of it was obviously delayed due to the pandemic, but came out not a few weeks ago. Yeah, but you had something interesting to say about how it actually coincides with pandemic times. Yes, I do, because the film, the, like the actual theme of the film is all about loneliness and isolation uh, from mm. the main character, um, simply because she is a kind of a disgruntled nurse, went through a very harrowing procedure one time, and then as soon as she went into private care, she, she lives in a bedsit alone in an English seaside town, and she feels very secluded from everybody, and she recently... Uh, converted to be a devout Christian uh, in the story of the film and 
it's amazing how a film all about isolation came out now uh months after the lockdown one everyone's everyone's kind of undergoing a collective cabin fever to mm. make to put it lightly yeah so that was kind of good luck for them i guess but the film itself, ah, oh, what a treat it is. The basic plot, without revealing anything, a private care nurse starts to look after a terminally ill patient, but the private care nurse, Maud, is uh, heavily Christian and attempts to convert her terminally ill patient in the process. Who and... is like an ex-dancer and, you know, lives mm. a debunked life, some hardcore yes. Christians might say. Maud believes that she can feel God inside her when good things happen, and that God t- speaks to her, and and spooky shenanigans ensue. But Rosegrass especially also employs kind of spooky symbolism and kind of tries to redirect it. Um, I remember watching a video once that was kind of like a response to how Stranger Things just kind of takes things, and Quentin Tarantino also just kind of takes things and uses them, when actually it's kind of, when actually you can use that imagery to then sort of, you can guess audiences' expectations based on the symbols you're going to present and reconfigure their reactions to them and kind of get the, it's basically cinema shorthand at this point. Like, if you see someone floating in the air, you're like, oh shit, something's bad happening, and then this film is kind of, sort of, definitely blurs the line between a lot of different things, including between good and bad. And so you don't Mm. really know if, like, this is God speaking or the devil speaking. Is this a good thing that she's floating in the air or what? You know, stuff like Mm. that. Um, And it definitely blurs the line between, like, reality and not reality and religion. Um, We had things to say about whether it's about religion or faith. So Sophie and I kind of had a little video chat beforehand after I watched the film. And I would say that St. Maud isn't about organized religion. It's more about personal faith and how how one person interprets the faith that they've been t- either taught or simply converted to and found, found themselves and how far they are willing to take that faith toward, and project it onto other people. Maud attempts to convert this, uh, you know, terminally ill dancer, Amanda, but the dancer does tr- does kind of acquiesce in some way, like when when Maud says, "I can feel him, I can feel him in me," and her face contorts, and she starts almost orgasmically writhing um, on the f- on the on the couch. But Amanda mimics her, but is obviously faking it. Mm. Um, but but Maud is so convinced that she's on the right path. Spoiler alert, by the way, for Saint Maud, uh, when Amanda reveals that like she doesn't believe in any of it. Maud, it's it's unclear whether it was real or a a figment of Maud's mind. Amanda then becomes a demon and tries to kill Maud. And it's very strange, but also an incredibly well-structured movie. That sounds like Inception. (laughs) It's not really Inception. I know, but I'm like, ooh, is it real or is it a dream? Ooh. (laughs) Okay, but it's not exactly like that because you're just kind of entrapped in Maud's world. And I yeah. think for sure that she has mental issues. Me and Will had a, a mini discussion about this, but the film is totally pointing it out in my eyes because she's like when we see things from her perspective, we see things moving that maybe shouldn't be moving. And like she's in a psychosis, kind of like yeah. And got... and when and when her friend, she has a friend from 
the hospital that she used to work at come to visit her and she talks about how she and the other nurses should have seen something coming and that it's not her fault and if she needs to talk about anything she's right there and that just suggests that to everyone else at least she does have mental problems there's something going on and you see things really through Maud's eyes so you see Maud's kind of self-image and everyone's how she sees everyone else and it's under a religious light but it's also kind of skewed by her mental health which might be why she believes certain things and that was one of the things that awoke a little kind of debate inside my head like what is the relationship between horror films and mental health because sometimes Mm. like it's really interesting to delve into mental health and psychological horror is really interesting it's really cool and you can use it to kind of think a lot about how people think and feel and mental health um but you can also use it to portray mental health i mean to portray for example schizophrenics and people with psychosis as people who are going to kill people and who who are just like murderers as as destined to be harmful towards others, mm, sure. and it's and it's fucked up <laughs> in especially in especially in the kind of thriller mystery horror subgenres. When yeah, you, as soon as someone says, "Oh, they have," you know, a form of psychosis, it's almost like Hollywood has taught audiences to expect them to either be someone who will deliberately cause harm right away well like it's kind of like a prop like a failure of storytelling like if there is no reason as to why a character is behaving like this like it seems to be down to like bad storytelling like if you can't give someone like a real motive as to like why they're behaving like this or they're just like not human and i suppose if you're using the mental health line and then just saying you're not human then that's problematic for example just like any story with any sort of like serial killer like sweeney todd like why does sweeney todd behave the way that he does because he's a serial killer but there's no like real reason he's either pure evil or he's been like pushed into it but even then when is the pure evil come come into it and it's interesting with saint Maud. i don't know exactly how saint Maud would lie in that kind of black and white view where it's like because it's not black and white at all. It's not like, oh, she's pure evil because Maud really believes that what she's doing is the right thing. And it's her faith that, um, it's her belief that she is saving this woman with her actions. She tells her not to see people and stuff, but she believes that she's saving her soul. And I definitely relate to that because my parents um, can be a bit evangelical at times. They did actually go and do some ministry work. They decided that the place in the world most sinful and in need of their help was Poland. Um, so <laughs> my dad wants Interesting to- choice. Actually, my dad wants to go to Uganda, but um, I, right now maybe. My dad wants to go to Uganda, but at the time I was a little baby and because of the hygiene standards, he was worried about me getting sick. So they decided to go somewhere cleaner. So Poland it was. That's even worse, Is it because of the post-Sovietness? Somehow, okay, first off, the, the, pro- the, the problem of calling Poland cleaner than <laughs> parts of Africa. But also, yeah. also, let's go somewhere that's full of sin so we can help. Um, okay, we can't go there. Let's go somewhere else that's just as sinful. Where do we go? <laughs> Poland! <laughs> One of the most notoriously Catholic countries in Europe. Yeah, well, yeah, they're going a bit Catholic right now, aren't they? Yeah, LGBT-free zones. 
Shout out to our Polish us. sisters who are going through abortion Hello. restrictions, which are god awful. Saint Maud also presents a the idea that faith in itself it doesn't belittle faith in that way. It doesn't seem to it doesn't seem to say that faith is bad. It's how one uses one's faith that is like the crutch of it. You know, there's there's a scene where Maud finally speaks directly to God, and I will use God in air quotes, and God, because Moore's character, and also Morvid Clark is Welsh herself, God speaks Welsh, like perfect Welsh. It. Yeah. <laughs> God speaks Welsh, guys. God's I met, Welsh. Um, I met God, she's black and Welsh. <laughs> Ethnically uh, ambiguous. Mm. But, um, that sounds refreshing, though, because, like, mm. a lot of horror i think wes craven counts under this or oh, possibly not wes craven but th- there's a sort of certain generation of horror filmmakers who went to catholic school and have internalized all of the kind of abuse and horrible things that happen in churches so that then you get a lot of stuff i mean, you know there was that film the nun right like the nun, yeah the nun nuns nuns are creepy like nuns are scary yeah, and shady like the, and they like the, the, do like horrible the things the exorcist and and The Exorcist and all the movies of that ilk thereon. It's not to say that they're bad movies, but it is refreshing to hear that there can be a horror film in which it's sort of saying, you know, religion can be something which, in which you can find joy and mystery without sort of making it the thing which is the source of horror and evil within the film. It kind of is, though. It is kind. It is kind. It is kind of because because God tells again heavy spoilers for Saint Maud, but God kind of does tell her indirectly to burn to self-immolate. Okay. Well, what does yeah. that mean? I'm sorry. I'm pretty. I'm pretty. I'm not Set really... herself on fire. Oh, she no, pours herself on stuff and then. Yeah, she she pours oil on herself, and just before she lights the lights the lighter, she says "Gogoni antedei." And <laughs> says glory to God in Welsh. Right. Why are you people? On fire. Why are you people interested in this during a pandemic? I honestly can't mm. think of anything worse than engaging in any kind of content like this. Because when you were when you were messaging about this, I was like, I can't go to a cinema because I'm with someone who's shielding, which is my choice. Whatever. But I don't want to go there anyway. I also just don't want to see this film. Like, all I want to do right now is just bathe myself in warmth and light and things that make me happy. Like, just this... And horror films are not that. They never... Unless it's, like, funny, like, paranormal activity or Final Destination, there's that that selection of films. Very like funny. camp horror. Yeah, camp horror. I love it. But, like, I just... Friday the 13th Part is, 8. It's just read in, like engage with stuff i just watched like four episodes of friends on that on that subject clara um have you did had emily in paris come out the last time we recorded have you no sampled the everything of emily in paris it was amazing i get all the critiques but i enjoyed every single second of watching emily in paris like is it a so bad it's good thing or it was amazing it was amazing Mm. i was it was bad and good and like I got in a fight with someone on Twitter because someone was like, "I know how we've been just like, we've been we've been saying Emily in Paris is so bad it's good blah blah blah." But there was statutory rape, and I was like, "What are you oh. talking about?" 
because spoiler alert she shags someone's she no 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 she shags someone's little brother who's 17 the age of consent in france is 15 and i was like they're all consenting adults it's it's a it's a part of a joke and like a joke about how french people are like sexually free she shags an 18 year old she's in her 20s and she's like this is disgusting but everybody finds it funny it was all consensual anyway that was annoying when someone was just like really eager for like a fresh take to shit on Emily in Paris and there was so much more that she could shit on Emily in Paris with than that and I'm like this isn't even factually correct you could talk about the racism you could talk about the fact that she's terrible at social media and that is the take that you pick there's just so you know it's not horrifying consent (laughs) but it is consent oh no I was just trying to wrap these two these two bits into a neat little bow yeah, yeah, but to answer your question, it was so exciting. Yeah, to, when... to answer, why would we watch? Why would we watch horror at a time like this? Because I think for me and Sophie, Sophie and I are people who enjoy. We we do we do genuinely love watching this kind of thing where you know it's it's psychological. It involves um, various amounts of mythology and spirit spirituality. There's tons of references to William Blake in Saint Maud, which Sophie and I very much appreciated. I th- I'm sure she'll agree. Yeah, but I, I think appreciated for, it. <laughs> yeah, for me, for me personally, I in, I will go out and actively try and watch this stuff, not just because it's the Halloween season, but because horror is a genre that um, if I do enjoy the thrill of my heart pounding and being scared, I do genuinely enjoy that. I enjoy the fear of of watching that kind of content. Is there because it it gives me a little pick me up? I'll I'll. St- as fucked up as that might sound. I mean, it makes sense. That, like, yeah, that gives me a little buzz. Is there a part of it where it's kind of doing the opposite of what it's supposed to be doing? Where instead of making you feel like the most... like Making you feel miserable and scared and sad, you come out of a horror movie being like, Oh, life is brilliant. I, I'm not getting split in half by a chainsaw right now. I'm going to go eat a bagel. Life is fantastic. Most horror movies make me feel like that, yeah. but that could just be me. I no, mean, I think this is a common thing, but like, I'm just, I feel that that way you just describe when you watch a film all the time about everything, so I don't need it for fun. But I just get so excited about these kind of things, and I don't really know why, to be honest. I just love scary things. I used to actually have the worst fear tolerance when I was a kid. I would get scared of Doctor Who. I would get scared of literally everything. But now that I'm older and in some ways I'm more open to being scared, I'm like not like, oh, sh- uh, immediately, I don't want to be scared. And at the same time, I've kind of got a higher fear tolerance, if that makes sense. I'm just going out to kind of going out to experience that stuff because it's really interesting and it does have a lot of mythology and it's got really kind of interesting characters that you can follow and sometimes it's really gory and there are people who will only watch it for gore just because they're like oh i can face that but i just think that it's an interesting aesthetic and that it actually usually develops the story in really interesting ways when you have to feel a lot of pain but to be honest i just kind of prefer psychological horrors because they fuck me up more. <laughs> when the themes and the ideas and the messages that come from this kind of horror scare you, that's what I'm looking for. That's that's the kind of thing that I like really like about mm, hey, this this kind of scenario seems feasible in oh, some God. way. You, you know? 
and you know p- people experiencing these kind of things is totally possible because faith does change you and it does it does it does weird things to you i can speak from experience uh, at 14 i was an incredible bible basher two years later i'm a militant atheist because faith <laughs> oh my god my, bible bashing my... will would be so annoying <laughs> yeah i was i was a bible i was a terror will. no offense but uh... no wonder you got bullied <laughs> Sarah, okay, Sarah won't super... come. I was bullied. I was bullied long before that. Sarah won't come with me to the dance. Corinthian thirteen one is. Uh, <laughs> we'll show her the way. I'm gonna stand wow. outside her window with a boombox, and it's just sermons. <laughs> oh, Let me read you Rome. <laughs> hey baby, how about I read you Romans thirteen? And oh my god, stop. I want to like I just can't I'm just like no I try not to be an annoying atheist but like if somebody quoted bible verses at me I would be like that's very nice but I would I would just I don't know what to do I honestly don't know where I stand with a load of religion it's too confusing it's just too confusing but yeah I like that it brings people joy yeah referencing back to my bible bashing days I mean the one religion I will always have a problem with is Christianity, but that for, only for my personal reasons, in that what what it can do to people. Well, all religions can do something to people, yeah. and that's why I thought it was kind of about religion, and to an extent, not necessarily organised religion in the system in which it works, but kind of the questions and the philosophy that religion brings up. There's kind of the idea of how to save yourself, of grace, basically the idea that people are full of sin, and it's only because Jesus died that we're ever going to get to heaven. But So that means that it doesn't really matter what you do, because you are sinful, but you should still try and live by your religion, so your actions should reflect what you believe, but people are still sinful. <laughs> it's just so prevalent because it answers big questions, right? Like, people, at the end of the day, are looking to find answers to the questions which cause them the most trouble in their lives. Like I'm not going to lie, I think religion started because people are afraid of death and they're like, oh shit, I don't want to die. Well, that's the and main like, thing, oh. for sure. And finding a kind of weird metaphorical way of evading it in, in that way. But another reason why I go to horror films is definitely for the aesthetic and also because I want to be afraid. I want to kind of like be shocked and be scared of something for a bit. I just enjoy that for some reason. For sure. I, I want to see a new creative thing that I can be scared of. Oh exactly. God, that's what brains. <laughs> and I also got, uh... love the aesthetic. Like, I love the aesthetic of Giallo, um, especially like when things are being like bright and camp and just out there. I kind of yeah. love the aesthetic of it, as you can tell by my face for everyone listening in. I, I, I didn't have um, face paint. Sophie I... was the only one who put in any... <laughs> modicum of effort Ooh. to do no, a Halloween I'm, thing. I'm Chris Evans I from Knives Out. I put down my face instead. Oh, you are Chris Evans oh, from Knives Out. Oh, yeah, Chris Evans. Oh, yeah, oh, that's so good. Do you want, I appreciate that. That's why you shaved. If you want a good, concise review of St. Maud, do check out, and this is a, this is a plug, everybody, go to twitter.com slash reviewcoos. That's review, K-U-S, for uh, a review in haiku form made by yours truly. And you know what? I'm going to I'm going to try and convince these three to uh, contribute because I think it'll be a cool collective thing to do. Oh, I can do oh, that. Yeah. I love that. Oh, I can I've do got that. one for a film I watched today yeah. or I could make one in like two minutes. 
Um, can I do one for EastEnders? But anyway, yeah. yeah go, sure. yes, go for oh, it. Oh, I can do one for EastEnders. Done. Done. EastEnders is kind of what you were picking upon because I was watching it and like they just do terrible, awful things to each other and everything always goes wrong and like they're never friends and they always fall out. But you, I expect that from EastEnders. I don't want them to be all kumbaya. Kumbaya is not a thing in Walford Square. And once you accept that, watching EastEnders is a fucking delight. I was saying all those things that I was saying about aesthetic and being scared because um, I think that's kind of one of the downfalls of Saint Maud for me personally, in that it was a lot more shocking. Um, its key moments wanted to shock you rather than scary. So for me, um, it wasn't my favorite in that aspect. It was just one that I could think a lot through rather than feel it and kind of be sucked in by it. I was just thinking about it a lot. But one of the things that I will say is that they're very good at kind of mimicking um, that psychotic state I should know. And then when I got out of the cinema, I felt so trippy. I was like... Yeah, my heart was racing for a good three hours afterwards and kind of had to chill out for a bit. It's cheaper than a molly. (laughs) (laughs) It depends where you're getting it from. (laughs) Yeah. Not that I know anything about molly. Who knows? Mm. Anyway. Let's do a quick average score. You say a score out of five and I'll say a score out of five for St. Maud and we'll get the average. Can we have point fives? Yeah. Nice. 3.7. 4.4. 3.7. 4.4. Anyone, can anyone work out the difference? No. <laughs> no. Do I look like somebody who gives a shit about maths? Yeah. Wait, 3.7. I mean, actually, I do. Yes. 8.1 <laughs> divided by 2 is 4.05. 4.05. That is the average Sorry. score for St. Maud. Official wisdom teeth score of St. Maud. Ooh. Molly May from Love Island gave it a thorough thumbs down. She's, and, but everybody yes. laughed at her on I, Twitter. The, the the weird thing is Rotten Tomatoes, the no critics, taste. the critics love it. The audience reviews are at sixty two percent. Okay. Because some a lot, especially American audiences, didn't get it. Yeah. They were like, well, I, wa- I walked Molly out. May. I didn't understand it. Neither did Molly May, and she cancelled the whole of Italy and their food. <laughs> Molly May is wow. clearly just racist against the Welsh, as well <laughs> as the Italians. Why the Welsh? Yeah. What's she done against the Welsh? Tell me more. Well, because St. Maud is in Welsh. It's Welsh. Or, well, some of it is in Welsh. Oh. Yeah. It's in Wales. But Welsh like people, Clark. they like bland food too. Welsh rabbit is not bland. It's cheese on toast. Okay, like, I love we'll, bland food. Welsh rabbit is just cheese on toast. I mean, it's not, no, just, it isn't. It's not just cheese on toast, but to all intents yes. and purposes, it is. And Barabreath is delicious. Food of the gods. Love I mean, let's food. be real. It's only bland if you don't know how to cook it. Like, if you actually went to oh, Venice and had pasta, it would it. probably be spicier than you'd think. Mm. Oh, no, she didn't that like my... Italian food. She went to mm. Italy and she was like, I don't know no. about not being funny yet, but Italian <laughs> food is gross. And everyone was like, when, what? When it's what possible for people to travel around the world again, there should be an episode of Richard Ayoade's Travel Man, where he takes Molly May back <laughs> Molly to Italy. May. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's the best idea ever. Someone at him and tell him. Here's the yeah. trophy yes. fountain. Uh, <laughs> Alex, at him, right, at him right now on Twitter. <laughs> the Get on the fountain, Twitter. My Molly May opinion is that the trophy fountain is not overrated, but the experience of seeing the trophy fountain is because there's just so many people. It's like, oh, you yeah. can't social distance at the trophy fountain and you can't take too many photos because you want, but there's go just in, too many punters to, in it. It's like the Mona you know, Lisa, you know. It's, yeah. it's, if you want my advice, go to Rome in autumn, not in the summer. I did. That's it's still oh. full oh. of people. 
Okay. All the leaves anyway. have fallen off the Colosseum. I I adore I adore Rome. It is well, a wonderful that's, city. We, you're not, you can't be friends with Molly May then. Wow, what a what Sacrifice. a loss. Now let us so a quick point of contention for me and then we'll get to the main body of the episode. <sighs> Polish video game company, CD Project Red, have officially announced that their seminal, highly anticipated title, Cyberpunk 2077, the much-anticipated video game that everybody in the gaming world is looking forward to, has been According delayed. Has been delayed yet again by 21 days, from November 19th to December 10th, due to the fact that they are still having to do last-minute work to updating it for the next generation of consoles. They're still, like the they're play, still rendering Keanu Reeves. He's too sexy. Yeah. They need more pixels. Tr- I'm going to say this right now. So Alex and I, way back when, did an episode about conditions in video game companies. Like working conditions. Crunch. And and crunch time is a huge factor about yeah, them like, like deliberately Sonic. working overtime. Yeah, exactly. And EA are huge culprits of this kind of thing. Ooh. CD Projekt Red have been guilty of this before with uh, the Witcher series. Um, and it's been on record from... Uh, employees for this current for this upcoming game that the reason why it was delayed from to November 19th originally because it was originally meant to come out in April they delayed it to November because CD Projekt uh, apparently the management CD Projekt Red have a tendency to um, flounder around a bit and then you know and then do crunch much later on up to the deadline and that was the reason why it was delayed till November but we know solidly now that the delay to December is purely because of pressure from Microsoft, especially because they want it ready for the Xbox One, their weird postmodern monolith that they're uh, peddling. Just before you carry on with that, the fact that it's called the Xbox Series X is really <laughs> going to cause some trouble this, this Christmas, right? Yeah. Because there's already an Xbox One X so some poor grandma is going to go into a game shop and be like, "Can I get Did the new word? Can I get the new Xbox?" And they're going to say, "Oh, you mean well, which one do you mean? The Xbox One, the Xbox One X, or the Xbox Series X?" And so, like, you know, poor Timmy is going to be very disappointed. On That's Christmas a one percent grandma. That yeah, is a one percent grandma. Very much. I'd like I to would rate that grandma. One yeah. percent grandma so the- who does who's got money in a pandemic. Woohoo! To all grandparents of the world, <laughs> to avoid confusion, the current generation of consoles is the Xbox One, the Xbox One X. The next generation of consoles coming very soon is the Xbox Series X and the Xbox Series S. I'm just is that clear? I'm just imagining. I'm just imagining you touring old people's homes with a with a whiteboard <laughs> and a game controller. That- just being like, like and this one and you can play bowling on this one and it's <laughs> I just give them an old Wii can actually can, Wii. you do can people do do that because they're they're very good for physical activity like people still use they're great Wii Fit they're great for retirement they're so functional. oh my yeah. god I missed my Wii so much we have a Wii we still have it my parent my, my staring at one me of Fred Eye it was one of the collateral damages in my parents divorce my dad stole the Wii and then gave it to his new girlfriend and then they broke up so now my Wii is is it's literally the most like I was 19 when I realized this because I wanted to go home and be nostalgic and play on my Wii 
and yes, 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 yes. I complain about it all the time, and nobody cares. I feel validated. <laughs> um, yeah, no, and then I was like, Mom, I want to play Wii Sports. It's the best game ever. Because, like, it was a Wii is made for me. Like, I'm that dumb bitch who, like, takes the controller and, like, does the hand movements and people were like Clara if you move the th- controller it doesn't but on a Wii it actually does affect it so I was like I'm going to go home and play Wii Sports good wholesome f- fun and mum was like oh I gave it away you gave it to your dad <gasps> and then my dad gave it to his girlfriend and then they broke up and I was like you have to go back and get my Wii and he refused so <laughs> I'm Wii-less <laughs> <laughs> we'll get you a Wii Clara we'll, we'll get you a new Wii <laughs> I'm Wheelers, Clara Hill, 2020. Yeah. Oh, that's my like spoilt brat trauma. <laughs> actually, spoilt brat trauma. That's SBT. actually not. That's not even as like spoiled brat trauma as it gets for me. But that's a snippet. I can spoiled give brat you more. Trauma, spoiled brat trauma actually goes a long way to describing the reaction that some people have had to the to the delay. 2077 delay. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so much so that some of the staff at, at CD Projekt Red received death threats because, what? of course, they did. I've never oh, sent yeah, a death threat. But I have. To reiterate from episode 19, no death threats. Do no not death send threats. death threats. From it's one crazy. spoiled brat to another, no death threats. Yeah, so I was watching that Pepe the Frog documentary the other day, and like I was, I was on the 4chan boards at the time when. Pepe the Frog was being reclaimed by... 4chan! The far right. And and so it shouldn't surprise me. But still, when I hear about people wishing that another person would die because... Actual harm. They don't get their shooty man game on time. <laughs> so, like, people so people wake up and do that. Like, it's... it's People wake up yeah. and do that. They, they, make they, a, they make a conscious decision. Pour out the special K. Stick on, <laughs> stick on Good Morning Britain... <laughs> load up the old iPad and then it's just a it's a death threat or two to the CD CD, CD project red shootman game developers it's probably all yeah. they have in life yeah like for real for real especially I'm not again condoning it but imagine that's all you've been looking forward to in this raw nasty year and then your one bit of I feel sorry for them but I also feel sorry more for people going the death threats but anyway, yes. I mean, a sad little life, Jane. I don't know. I just see it as them being entitled to like this video game, and the fact that they haven't got it yet is absolutely unacceptable. So what a sad little sad. life, Jane. <laughs> so to all the people who sent death threats to the guys at CD Projekt Red, maybe, maybe fuck you, but also maybe take up knitting. Golf. I don't know, knit Scrabble. We golf. Or knitting. Bananagrams. Yeah. Bananagrams yeah. is you, better than What are you reading Scrabble. right now, Taylor? What are you reading right now, Sophie? Bananagrams oh. is better than Scrabble. I, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. We need to we need to address this briefly. Bananagrams is better than Scrabble because when you play Scrabble, it's a lot of waiting around for somebody else to do their turn. Bananagrams, you don't have that. And it's like, you can do your own thing, oh, but you yeah, still but have that when you collaborative... Get... When you get when a triple, you get a triple word, word score and you use up all of your oh. letters at the same time... Ah, ah! I once. God, ah, don't, ah, ah, yes. You guys should play with my dad. I once got two seven-letter words in a row, which. Well, I don't want to play Scrabble against you then. You're not really selling it. 
getting a triple word score with a word that has a Q in it. Or a K. Mm. I don't like this. Does that pay us on a double letter score? Square. But yeah. But well, anyway, we should, that's we should definitely try and play Bananagrams on a podcast at some point. <laughs> no, we should play Words with Friends together. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, Words with Friends is Scrabble. Yeah, it's yes. just Scrabble. I think it's easier because you could cheat. Can you? Yeah, you just Google what kind of word can I make and then you make the word and no one knows uh, that why you cheated. Why would you do that? Well, that you can do that with so... Scrabble as well if you're determined enough. This is the truth. No, with my mum. Not well, like, with my as soon mom. as it's your turn, you need the loo every time. <laughs> yeah. And then just go on your phone. But that's just Speaking me. of things that terrify us, including losing Scrabble, let's go to the main topic of today, of ha- the Halloween special. It's Halloween, and this Ooh. is going to come out on Halloween. It is the 31st of October, as when this is out. <laughs> I'm going to start with Clara, Ms. Hill. Ms. Hill, me. Well, what are, I'm... The, what are the things in pop culture that have either lingered with you in terms of fear, making you scared, or like the, the very idea of them sends a shudder down your spine? Well, as we've already established, I am a big scaredy cat and I don't actually enjoy being scared because I'm scared literally all the time. But I have like, I remember one of the. I also wasn't allowed to watch scary films as a kid, even though I wanted to. I know this because I used to watch, like, films aimed for children and they would give me nightmares. And my mum was like, no, you can't watch that film anymore. This is too annoying. Like, I just... No. So, pretty much, I avoid it at all costs, things that scare me in pop culture. I think, like, I just... I spend a lot of time reading the news and I find that very scary. So... Even in non-corona times, I just avoid it, like, for fun. Like, I just really like frivolous things that aren't supposed to be scary. Because I find the things that, yeah, so I would have to say there is nothing apart from, like, just, like, I remember the film that, the film that gave me nightmares was the film Dinosaurs. I don't know if that's a very oh, no. retro... Wait, is that, was that the CGI... yeah. Yeah, it freaked not, it, me was out. Was it Disney or was it DreamWorks? It was, it was Disney, DreamWorks. but not supposed to be scary, as far as I recall. I just yeah. thought it was the scariest thing in the world. Like, the wee How little, come? like, st- the little snarly dinosaurs. Oh, oh, God, it gave me, like, massive nightmares. And so then I've, what, ha- most I've them, always what, just most avoided them, like, films that made me scared. I just don't like That's them. like the bear from, yeah. um, from Teletubbies. How, like, so <laughs> many two-year-olds were terrified of the bear. That's me. Okay, I wasn't two. I was like seven. And the but seal like, from Pingu. <laughs> oh my like, god, the seal from Pingu. I just don't like Fucking it. It freaks me out. Like, it's just like I just really just avoid things that make me anxious, and that's like really have to do it. Like, texting my landlord and all that stuff. But yeah, it just doesn't excite me. But I get it. I totally get why you'd want to be scared. Like I remember we just like I remember. The, when the film Hostel came out, I mean, I don't remember oh, yeah. it, but I remember hearing about it. I just, I enjoy how people feel like the escape and like the fantasy and that, but like, I just, I just want to avoid it at all costs, which is my truth. And I stand by it, mm. even if it's boring. So, <laughs> was there anything in particular, like in any film or television that you were like, that is legitimately the scariest thing I've ever seen? 
probably the opening scene of Scream, which is oh, like when she's on the phone and yeah. she's in the house. Yeah. Yeah. Scream's but I think that just like speaks to just like being a woman alone in the house. Mm. Especially, like, because as, like, a woman, you're always told, like, just walking home is scary. Like, the fact that, like, I've got to, like, run home with my keys in my hand. Like, why would I want to recreate that? It's just walking home on a Friday night. Do you remember the beginning of Get Out? Yeah. Yeah, and I was, like, obviously it wasn't supposed to be something that I was supposed to relate to, but I was, like, oh, I get this. And obviously that was just the first scene. (laughs) Yeah, but But I was, like, oh, yeah, no, this is creepy. I understand. Oh, when he gets when he's stuck. Yeah, he's walking alone and then he gets taken. Yeah, but yeah, like it's just, just like, him, like oh my god, because you could see him coming. You're like ah. Yeah. But I just don't enjoy being scared if I don't have to be. Mm. So I avoid it pop culturally. That's also why I like a girl looks home alone at night. But I totally get why other people do like it, but personally, not for me. Mm. I'm alright. I'm gonna. Are, yeah. Well, are you drinking wine? I'm drinking sparkling rosé. Sparkling rosé. Are you on the Echo Here. Falls? Are you? Is no. you that North London now? No, Echo I'm Falls on is Co-op. North London. No, I'm on the Co-op Moscato rosé because it was a fiver. I mean, if you're paying a fiver for for sparkling rosé, you're in the wrong shop. <laughs> it's a co-op. It's got to taste like vinegar. It's got to be the colour this, of. Th- this tastes really good. It's got to be the colour colour of blackcurrant juice. The floor now goes to Alexander Reese. Alex, what gives you the shivers? Do you know what's great about what I've chosen? Is that not only is it on the brief, but I get mm. to talk about stuff which you're going to hate. And <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait. I guess the thing I'm, I'm scared of in culture is monopolies. Um, and that manifests itself in a number of ways. Um, okay, and I'll get the I'll get the main one out of the way to begin with. Do you mean with. like business monopolies? Business monopolies, Did- yeah. So a couple of weeks ago, is he going to talk about the thing I hate most in this world? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So a couple of weeks ago, um, my club Liverpool, um, alongside my one of my least favorite clubs, Manchester United. Although less so now because Marcus Rashford is uh, playing an absolute blinder. Um, he is. He's doing very on well. On and off the field, politically. On and off the field, yes. I love it because he went. He he scored. He scored a hat trick in the Champions League, and then he went on Twitter to be like, "Everybody keeps telling me I'm virtue signaling, but I don't even know what it means." And I just, me oh, it's neither. delicious. Yeah. But so, Liverpool and Manchester United unveiled plans for something called Project Big Picture. Uh, I won't go into the details because I'll bore you all to death. But what it, es- what it essentially intends on doing is making it so that the teams that are up on the higher levels of the footballing pyramid, like your Liverpools, your Manchester Uniteds, your Chelsea's, essentially tries to consolidate their influence and their money-making abilities over the smaller clubs in that pyramid. So you'd be looking at a smaller league where you had more space to play lucrative games in Europe and also in the very lucrative foreign markets in places like Southeast Asia, Africa and the Middle East. So it it would give so it would give the richest teams more scope to do more, yeah, and not and not give any kind of the littler teams like the team that I grew up with, Millwall, 
any kind of chance. Well, yes. Well, so it, it kind of envis- envisions a scenario in which, say, West Ham. West Ham have been in the Premier League for a couple sorry, of years. Sorry, sorry. Even though I'm not a footballer, uh, I am uh, cro- uh, biologically conditioned to hate West Ham. But the idea would be that the longer they stayed in the league, the more power they would have over the pyramid. And But at the same time, it would mean that it would be much more difficult for a team like West Ham to get anywhere near the top. And it just makes me think that, and this is true of a lot of clubs, uh, Arsenal sacked their mascot because they couldn't afford to keep him on. Gunnosaurus. And it just makes you think that what I enjoyed most about football wasn't necessarily the fact that I'd supported a team that was playing really well before everything locked down. It was the fact that I could watch it with people together and be involved in a community which supported each other. And that's especially true of grassroots, which is becoming increasingly underfunded and it would only and for all the promises that they make about it, it doesn't really mean that grassroots is going to get that same support because it's all going to be consolidated in the big monopolies of the larger clubs. So that's football. But another thing was that I was on Spotify the other day and you can say a lot of things about the business model of Spotify and how it's bad to artists who, again, aren't at the top of the pyramid. So say if you're Drake, you can pay to have a banner ad at the top of people's homepage and everybody will listen to it, but not so much if you're a smaller artist looking for streams. But I have a conspiracy theory that they are trying to get rid of the concept of an album that they don't seem to have an idea of how to properly log your music if you're not just listening to singles. Like it will keep, it will think that because I listen all the way through to an album, that it's a thing I listen to the most. And it might just be that I wanted to listen to it because I was curious about it, not because I'm obsessed with it, right? So I think that what they're trying to do is make it so that they can consolidate people's listening habits into stuff that they can kind of game for themselves so they can Mm. kind of say this is what everybody's going to be listening to now we're going to put all of our advertising money behind it and then with like the biggest record labels it's a kind of help me help you thing right we'll promote this and we'll stream it like this and it's kind of yeah you want to kind of look out for the little guy during times like this and you kind of want to make sure that bigger platforms support smaller artists but what's increasingly looking like needs to happen is that you kind of need to look out for the independence where you can. Oh, and Disney, Ex- but but I mean, we, we've done Disney to death. <laughs> we have done okay. Disney. We can well, do uh, the well, Disney well, Disney. Disney. another time. Well, I, what was interesting, back to the Halloween theme, uh, the recent spooky playlist, which is meant to be hosted by indie darling Phoebe Bridges. I was looking at that playlist... And it feels like exactly what you're talking about, Alex. I feel like they just put Phoebe Bridges' name on it, but they're also trying to sell you the bands that that seem to benefit them more because a lot of the bands included on the playlist are backed up by big record companies rather than the independents. Although I will say... So she's kind of... Why does this scare you? Why do Monopoly scare me? Well, because I think that when... Media especially, uh, I mean, and sports as well, but when things are consolidated and brought into this massive sphere of influence 
it dries out the uniqueness of stuff, right? Like everybody complains that cinema is just sequels these days, but it's sequels because people know that if you spend $150 million on something and it makes a billion dollars, you've just proven that the thing that you've made is capable of making a lot of money if you keep giving it to people. Whereas there are things that take gambles, and this is certainly true in horror. I mean, would anybody think that like a cursed, ugly fucking child doll that becomes possessed by a serial killer and like starts killing people itself, that that would ever have worked? I mean, it's, oh, it's Chucky. Yeah, yeah. When everything is decided by balance sheets, someone coming to those people with creative risks becomes less and less common. I think, you know, Christopher Nolan is one of those exceptions where because he made Warner Brothers millions upon millions of pounds with Batman, they kind of said to him, Look, I mean, it appears what you're doing appears to work, so we're going to just keep throwing money at you to see what sticks. And, you, I mean, Will, you've seen Tenet, so you can kind of judge whether that's the case or not. But It is not. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, but that's fine. Like, it, it, it's fine when creative people take risks and they don't work because it's be- you know it's better to tr- to try and fail than to phone it in with things just because you can and because you know it'll make money right but i didn't know Bad we enough. were allowed to do it that way i mean i i agree <laughs> with you but if i had thought about it that way i would have come up with a smarter answer but i apologize yeah but i'll be bitching about late stage capitalism but so yes. for, fu- for future reference culture. never pay attention to the brief on wisdom teeth you can go oh. off topic as much as you like i will i, I <laughs> hang on hang on wait a minute i'm the captain now <laughs> no i've got to maintain some sort of control My to this rudderless ship we're all on but yeah no i yeah, concur you might, be, you I might be the captain but this ship has no rudder alex is a genius I bow down. Fuck, Are you telling me po- that you don't that you don't wake up in a cold sweat at night thinking about what will happen if you know? It's Saint Saint of course. Saint Maud two, Saint Maud four Satanic Panic. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be the most hilarious and amazing thing to ever happen. Be the campus okay. horror okay, yeah, movie I, ever. I keep coming Satanic up with bad examples. Panic. It'd be so Satanic good. Panic. <laughs> yeah. That is the title of this episode, Saint Maud for Satanic Panic. You're welcome. <laughs> oh, I'm never gonna show it to my parents, that would kill me. <laughs> I am I am speaking of Saint Maud, I am worried of the fact that people are gonna be like, Oh, it portrays Christians as bad. It was like, well No, it doesn't. There's like there's no. the moment when she talks to another Christian. Oh well, it's hinted that she's a Christian because she goes to a choir and such. Um and they basically kind of have a oh, this is the right way to do it where she's just really chill about people and she's kind of like more supportive of um Amanda, yeah. the sick dancer. So yeah. Yeah. Were you ever in a, a choir when you were a Bible a Bible basher will? Uh I was in the school choir. Voice of an angel did- or uh, I was a, I was a I was a soprano, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Wow. I used to have a very I used to have a very high voice, and then as soon as I hit year ten, I became a baritone very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we would have regular performances at Southwark Cathedral. Wow. Which the acoustics were fucking amazing. <laughs> Sophie, no, what no. gives you what gives you shudders? 
Um, demons. When I was a kid, I was shit scared mm. of the Stone Angels, though. I was scared of Doctor Who. I was scared of oh, the Weeping Angels. Yes, yeah. the Weeping Angels. I always get that mixed up. Anyway, um, yeah, I guess. I don't know if that followed me into adulthood then, because it's the idea of things that you can't quite see, but which could be like haunting you or kind of like coming mm. after you or something like that, which is probably everything to do with my current day fears. But if we got into that, then I'd have to pay you guys because you'd be doing therapy for me. So let's not just do that. We're just hearing you out. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So one thing that... I, I, like to, I like to think this podcast is some form of therapy for the four of us, in a way. Right. So I figured out that like things that are very kind of black and white, like visually black and white, so that they could actually be in the peripheral of your eyes, are things which are just scary. Wow, that sounds really dumb. But I don't know, it's just something when I was growing up, right, so shit that did not scare me is people kind of running at you with guns or knives or chainsaws. Although the Texas Chainsaw Massacre original one did scare me, but only when she's kind of like sitting under the light and like they're trying to eat her and kill her and stuff. Um, but like, those kind of overt things and like blood splashing everywhere and the shining did not scare me. Um, but the things which did scare me was stuff like Woman in Black when you saw her like coming out of the corner of your eye and like Sinister where there's a sky and he's suddenly just moving like that was the shit that terrified me. So I think it's just stuff which you don't like things in the back of your mind and in the corner of your eyes just kind of moving suddenly. That is the shit that has always terrified me. There we go. Oh. That's pretty cool. So Thank you. Or if you think you see like a little bug moving and then it's not or something like that. It's stuff like that which really gets into my skin. Well that's like second guessing me. yourself. Like you kind of like think mm. you're like losing mm. your mind a little bit. If you ever happenstance on Sophie Taylor in the street, uh, you might see her double taking all the time. Especially yeah. if I'm especially if I'm dressed in black and white. Yeah. <laughs> What about like so? I when you first edit, I thought you meant like old Hollywood movies, like like Marilyn Monroe would give you the heebie-jeebies. Like Psycho. Like Sunset Boulevard scared the shit out of you. No, got the swimming pool. Oh my god, Sunset Boulevard is such a good film. Love Norma Desmond. It's a Desmond. great movie. It's a good film. It's in my top ten. Same. Well, what scares you, Will? I would love because I don't think I I've ever heard about stuff that you fear i would love for it to be something completely like rubber ducks love <laughs> oh my god i would send you so many rubber how did ducks. you know commitment oh, <laughs> wow clara clara knows too much about the my fear of being life. known <laughs> clara knows too much about my personal life to make that joke oh i think we all do <laughs> sorry you set it up for me i couldn't not what I fear most in this world. In short, nothing. Public but that speaking. is No, but I fear nothing with a capital N. I don't fear It's not that I don't fear anything at all. I fear the concept You fear the void. I fear the concept of nothing. Of a nothing. But this is not pop culture. Yeah, yeah like, you said it had to be pop this is, culture. Hmm, and it is. Let now. me relate. Let me relate. Let me relate this to pop culture. Everything is culture. Cosmic horror as a genre really gets to me. 
it brings it brings the most amount of dread in me and that's why i enjoy it so much because it speaks to a fear that i have which is the concept of something so unknowable something so apathetic to a personal experience it it's it's so much bigger and yet and yet i have this like and yet my own spiritual life is atheism and you know it is what it is it's science but you know but to me that explains you know the connectedness of all things the atoms cast off from dead stars become at the carbon in our in our bodies that to me is like that's not nothing with a capital n that's the interconnectedness of the universe that is a something and i think that imagery is beautiful but the actual concepts say before the big bang there was nothing like a void a, vo a voidless void if you will like a like there was no it's not even a vacuum it is dead completely the idea of that that terrifies me um and cosmic horror uh, speaks to that like in lovecraft if you overlook the racism but don't overlook the racism because never overlook racism but like there's plenty of decent ideas in cosmic horror from other authors which talk about things like huge unknowable things like th like things that you can't apparently your mind can't comprehend lest you go mad but these are these are tends to be entities or creatures or simply ideas that human beings are simply not meant to know because if they because they cannot comprehend it this form of this form of nothingness which is like essentially all encompassing and all consuming the idea of that that terrifies me do you remember that episode? The the I think it was the very first episode of Torchwood, where they've got the um, the magic time glove, which the resurrection glove, yeah. yeah, revives people from the dead for like two minutes. And the first thing you see in the first episode of Torchwood is them coming to the scene of a murder, and they wake yeah. the guy up, and they're like, "What did you see?" And he just goes, "Nothing, absolutely nothing." And he dies again. And I yeah. was, and you're like eleven at this point. I'm thinking, That's terrifying. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, shit, you don't need to tell me that. Yeah, well, I was going to reference Torchwood because um, so there's so if you haven't seen the series of Torchwood, it's been ten years. Uh, it's all on iPlayer. It is all on iPlayer. In series two, Owen Harper, played by Bern Gorman, he dies, and then the Resurrection Glove brings him back, but then he it brings him back for good, and everyone's like, "What the fuck?" But um, he has no bodily functions. He's just a walking corpse. But he eventually he he but he he keeps remarking, oh, when I was dead, there was absolutely nothing. There's just blackness. There's just it's just nothing. But that's something. But, but then he keeps flashing to it, and you see him in this complete void. But he keeps hearing voices, and it's encroaching on him. And I was like, that is a, that is a goddamn terrifying concept of if there is an afterlife. That's the afterlife where it's just. A, a full void where you keep hearing things in the corner of your eye and they're whispering to you and you're like what so it's a kind of a mixture of me and sophie's fears but what brings me you know but what kind of brings me is like that kind of thing can't exist is the fact that everything is connected to something you know and 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 that is that is a scientific thing you know because the atoms of a dead star are part of our bodies the motions that we do has an effect somewhere far far away that idea is beautiful to me the universe is us and we are the universe we are we are part of all of one thing and therefore there cannot be a nothing with a capital n we are the walrus 
Goo 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 goo. I am we the Eggman. We are Saint Maud Four. We are Saint Maud Four. Sonatic. Sonatic Packin. Satanic panic. God damn my mouth. Satanic Peckham. Who tries to say about Peckham? Peckham. It's full of sin. Oh my god. Peckham being <laughs> pedestrianised is the best thing in the world. I don't know if I've actually already said this, but I love it so much. I saw someone barbecuing outside of Primark. In Peckham? Yeah. In the oh, summer. The one on the high street? Yeah. Oh, s- sweet. They, t- they t- pedestrianised it? it. They pedestrianised... Ra- was they, it a full? They pedestrianised was... Rye Lane in the summer. Yeah, they have. And everyone really was just have. living their best life. And there were some people barbecuing outside Primark. People were cool. playing cricket the other week. I remember one of my friends making a map of London where um, it like goes as far north as possible. It goes around Epping Forest and then it cuts off right at like um, in the middle of Peckham and on New Cross Road. Yeah, I know. And I was like, what the hell? You've cut off like half of London. She's like, that's not real London. I was like, have you ever been to Peckham? That's real London. And she was like, yeah, it sucked. And I was like, have you ever been to Peckham Rice? She's like, yeah, it sucked. And I'm like, firstly, that's really rude to the people who live there. That's yeah. awful. Secondly, it doesn't have to be like amazing me, to be who London. grew up there. That is my that is my blood and my family. My it's left. like, yeah, Peckham sucks, but we suck together. You, yeah. you left. Secondly, Will. Huh? You left. You left. You're the North London liberal elite now. Whenever you we were complain all... about Brexit, you're causing the North to suffer. Because of you, that there's well, bendy bananas now. Yeah. I will listen. I I have moved here on a on a sacred mission on behalf of the South. Really. I will con I will convert it to accept no, our way of life. There's no point in that. There's no point. It's a lost cause. <laughs> I did once see a North London free stuff group, and I was like, and it said in it directly inspired by the SE London free stuff group. And I was see, like, oh. it's happening. The mission is there. They understand that we're better than them. Yes, Just kidding. They do. I'm looking forward to when our American listeners hear this, uh, and you're you're just <laughs> they have go- no idea, and you're just going, yeah, I'm a missionary from the south. I'm I'm bringing our way of life to the north, and it's like, oh shit. I mean, that's uh, that means that's a weird different turn. over here. Yeah. Oh man. From SE19 to N19, I come. Also, a bit of advice from British people, uh, what well, two British people from Americans, is that you should never say how's tricks to an American because yeah. it means something very different over there. What does it what mean does it here mean? and what does it mean there? Well, how's tricks, well, how's, how's how's tricks, tricks means how's things going? Yeah, it's like how's, how's, things, things going? how's things going? To turn tricks in the US, I'm pretty sure... Is it prostitution? Is a, prostitution. I'm pretty sure that, yes, that's what it is for. I thought it simply meant doing crims. Just, just being a crim. I don't think prostitution that's, that's is the word it. that we're supposed to use anymore. Crimming. I think it's oh, sex, sex work. work. But ah, I see. it's always good to correct ourselves. On that high note, <laughs> we will draw the, the 21st episode of Wisdom Teeth to a close. Please follow me at the Wiseman WB on Twitter. You can follow Alex Rees at Axe Reels. Follow Clara Hill at Clara underscore ish. You can follow Sophie on Instagram at Sophie RWH Taylor. The, the, um, our Twitter handles are also our Instagram handles. Go to the Wisdom Teeth Twitter account at Wisdom Teeth Cast. Also check out Review Coups, reviews in haiku form, which all four of us will be contributing in the near future. So we'll see you all very soon and we'll be back in mid-November. And Woo! that is a promise. Woo-hoo! Goodbye.
A Wise Man Laboratories production.